Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Davina Shensky, and you're listening to Live Without Limits, Reach Personal Success on a Daily Basis. Today's presentation is eight ways to overcome a power struggle in your relationship. Now, when you look back on relationships over different centuries, back at one time, The man ruled the house. He was the one that went to work. He was the one that brought home the money. And the wife stayed home and took care of the children and cleaned the house and and made sure that, that the food was cooked. Over time, as women started taking over more and more roles out of the home, things slowly started to change. Therefore, we now need to understand that in relationships today, there is a power struggle, and this is something that we need to address and deal with. Falling in love is a beautiful time, but after the honeymoon stage, reality begins to set in. Perhaps you've discovered that both you and your partner argue a lot and are bent on being right. It's a problem. Yet, there are so many other great aspects of your relationship. So what's going on? Well, you might be facing a bit of a power struggle in your relationship. And the truth is that these are fairly normal. Yet, sometimes they can also turn ugly. In this presentation, we're going to dig into the dynamics of a power struggle, how you can fix it. So let's take a look. You know, before we actually get into it, often when we come into a relationship, we have an image or a picture in our mind of how we want that relationship to be. And often if one or the other party adapts their behavior, to what the other person expects instead of having an equal relationship or accepting the individual for who they are, then down the road, that's where many of your problems are going to come into play. Why does my relationship feel like a power struggle? In a power struggle, even the smallest disagreement can end up getting blown up. It feels as though you can't win. Negative power struggles in a relationship can arise from a need for control. Maybe you both intend on controlling the other or getting your way. It can also arise from being too strong and very opinionated. People who refuse 
to compromise, yet at the end of the day, a healthy and functional relationship often comes down to compromising, not on everything, but on some things. And if you can't compromise on the vital things that you both need, then you might be best to move on. In some cases, not at all. Some telltale signs that you are in at the midst of a negative power struggle. You continually criticize one another. You no longer do special things for one another. You often think about and talk about being single. It feels as though you never resolve conflicts or disagreements. If it's also important to note that black and white, just because your relationship is showing these signs, it doesn't always mean that your inner power struggle. It could be an indicator of other things in life, such as depression, trauma, life changes, and emotional abuse. So let's get down to business. How can you actually move past a power struggle in your relationship? <clears throat> now, here's the thing. Also, because our behavior patterns very much fit into how we communicate with each other and the kind of relationship we have. Now, often when you grow up in a dysfunctional family and that's what your comfort zone is, that's what you're going to end up seeking out in a partner. So understanding that is often one of the first steps to realize what's going on and how you are going to change and how you're going to adapt. That's why many a times people and couples will go in for couples therapy, especially if they want the relationship to work long term. And here's the thing. We all have strengths and weaknesses. And those behavior patterns, now I'm going to use the DISC because the DISC is what I'm most familiar with. And the D is the dominant personality who fails making control the environment. You've got the I, which is the interpersonal behavioral pattern, which easily can talk to people on various levels and even do business in a party situation. Then you've got the steadiness behavior pattern. That's the person who is the natural mediator because they always want peace and they will are the type of person that they will read the manual of the company and they will follow it word for word on what the expectations are. And then you've got the conscientiousness behavior pattern. And that person questions everything. Now, think about it. Your child questions everything because they're in the learning process. You, when you have to, uh, or you're in the classroom and you have to study for a test, what do you do? You read that book and you will learn it from word for word to be able to give it back on a test. If you have 
and high eye behavior pattern, that's the person that can get on the on the playground and really interact. And and then you also have your your dominant behavior. All of these are all a part of you, and you have to be able to move between them because some of the some of them are your strengths, some of them are your weaknesses. And in different situations, you have to be able to pull them up. And that also affects how you communicate, the kinds of things you say to someone, and the kind of business relationship or personal relationship you have. How did I fix my power struggle in my relationship? Gary Zuka once said, a power struggle collapses when you withdraw your energy from it. Power struggles become uninteresting to you when you change your intention from winning to learning about yourself. The good news is that your relationship is by no means doomed. This isn't the end, especially if you both have expressed that you want to be there. Most of the time, power struggle can be resolved by proper communication, yet easier said than done. It may also be best to take the course to see a relationship counselor to uncover how to communicate better. Yet a few things you can do right now will include looking at your personality, differences. Some great go-to personality tests, the 16 personalities, and understandingyourself.com. Where is conflict more likely to occur? What factors play into this? How can you understand each other better to reach a resolution? And that's what I'm talking about when I use the disc, because you got the four pure ones that I talked about, but you, when you intermix D, I, S, and C, you come out with 16 personalities, because which are your dominant ones, which are your strengths, which are your weaknesses, which, and how do they interplay with each other? Brainstorm ideas to come up with solutions when these disagreements arise. This is where having good communication skills is so important because there's often gonna be disagreements in how you see things because all of that is based on the environment you grew up in, the home place you grew up in, the relationship you had with your parents and, and siblings. Nail down the common disagreements between you two using what you know and any personality tests. Discuss what is your past could be contributing to conflict. For instance, if one of you comes from a divorced parents, you might fear abandonment, and this could be playing a part. Listening more, and talking less, practicing forgiveness. Yes, there will be some things that you disagree on, 
and many of these things aren't relationship ending. You can simply agree to disagree, forgive, and continue forward, observing other healthy relationships and watching how they deal with conflict, observing other healthy relationships and watching how they deal with conflict, communicating clearly and often about your needs. Furthermore, communicating about when something bothers you. Suppressing things can lead to a worst case scenario down the road, as well as explosive fights. Now, what I want to say about this is, is this, that we are a product of the home we come from. If we come from a home where, where it's, a, it's abusive, then what happens? You become an abuser yourself. And understanding how you relate to that or how when you read about certain situations and, and, and it triggers in you from a past relationship, then that is how you are going to relate to others and the kind of relationships that you will have. So understanding the importance of communication is so, so important. A few other things that you may want to explore are in, are, also include setting goals together. Where do you see yourself in the future? What do you want to accomplish together? Finding common ground can help. Remind you why you're together to begin with. Creating your own relationship rules or roles can also help you both understand where responsibilities begin and end with one another. This particularly important in any team and relationships are no exception. Remember, when you're in a relationship, you either act, work together, or you work against each other. The idea here is to work together. And also, you, what we often forget is the kind of relationship we're looking for in our 20s, in our 30s, in our 40s, in our 50s, in our 60s, and beyond, each generation is very different than where you were. So unless when you meet someone in your 20s, that the two of you grow and have a common interest, there are going to be conflicts later on. Understanding that and how to have long-term relationships is so important. Overcoming the power struggle. While some individuals just aren't meant to be, others can overcome their differences and peacefully and happily experience life together. The fact that you both want to resolve this means something. Try, 
the tips so that when both of you have had time to cool off, if these don't work, you may want to explore couples counseling together so that you can truly make your relationship what you want it to be. Often, working with a life coach can also help. And so what I want to do is talk about and what does a life coach do and how that can, can really put you into what it is that can help you to better communicate and help, and help you deal with where you're going and how to relate to different things that you want in life and help you. So what, what are we, what are we um, looking at when we look at the, a, a life coach and how they can, they can help you? Well, let, let's look at it and see, because often if, when you need help in communication and improving your your relationships, what you want is someone that can hold you accountable because most life coaches have three call often what you want in having a a a life coach and help you to deal with this. So let's look at it. There, there, there can be some really good benefits to having a life coach. So let's look at what they are. You can help you improve your self-confidence because often if someone lacks self-confidence in themselves, what happens? Then it will be that 80 for instance, 80% of people who hired a life coach reported that they had an improvement in self-confidence. And why is that? Well, if you lack self-confidence, then often what are you going to do? You're going to pick someone in a relationship that has more self-confidence than you are. Also, that person is going to be more dominant than you are. So understanding some of the behavior patterns and how you can become more self-aware because when you're fully self-aware of your impact on others and recognize your flaws, your strengths, and your unique personality attributes is an extremely challenging adventure. This is the art of self-awareness. And self-awareness requires strong capacity for introspection, and reflection, something which a life coach can help you work towards. In fact, one study found that 67.6% of coaching clients experience a higher level of self-awareness. They can also help you create a balance in your life because the concept of life balance is different for everyone, and it often refers to a happy, peaceful, and harmonious relationship between your physical and cognitive being, as well as major areas of your life. 
one of the benefits of a life coach is to identify what balance looks like for you and to find the action steps to achieve more balance in your life. Now, when we think about it, the importance of life, why, why coaching can help you and why mentoring can help you, especially in relationships and how to communicate more effectively so that you, you are not having a power struggle. So let's look at some things that we can, can, can incorporate into your life to reduce that power struggle that you're feeling in a relationship. So look at it. Look at look at how you can take these. So what and what I want to do for the last few minutes is talk about how to reduce power struggles because this is what we are talking about in a relationship and how to improve it. So let's look at it. Any adult who is taking care of young children is likely to have experienced power struggles moments when the adult and child are competing for control, often with frustrating and unpleasant outcomes. Now, whether you're dealing with it with another adult or whether you're dealing with it from as a parent and a child, how you handle it teaches not only you, but that individual how to handle power struggles later in life themselves. So let's look at it. By using strategies to prevent and de-escalate power struggles, both adults and children can benefit from reduced stress, more enjoyable interactions, and easier transitions. And in, also, such strategies can increase children's initiative and independence in order to successfully implement strategies to address power struggles. It is important to consider certain premises about conflict, control, and human learning. So this is something that also is incorporated into who you are as an adult because the kind of relationship you have with your parents when in power struggles determines how you're going to relate to someone in a relationship. Conflict is a learning opportunity and not something to be avoided at all costs. Children need to experience conflicts in order to learn how to resolve them peacefully and respectfully. Children and adults can share control. Adults often want to be and are in charge, which can lead children to seek out their own ways of expressing power. Allowing the power to be shared between the adult and the child reduces the child's need to seek control. <coughs> Think about that. How you can avoid 
some of the things that occur in in your in in your life, in your child's life, how you teach them to improve their skills. Resolving conflicts builds children's confidence, independence, self-awareness, empathy, and language skills. Now, often you'll find parents that hold on to their children. Why? Because they don't want to be alone in their old age. And they use their children to control them and hold them back from living the life they were meant to live just so they wouldn't be alone. And that then what happens is when they're gone, that child doesn't know how to cope and how to take care of themselves. So remember that what you're doing when you are holding your child back is you're keeping them from being successful later in life. The more children and caregivers resolve disagreements together, the easier the process becomes. Adults are also capable of learning new skills. Strategy, give a heads up. When there is a change or a transition about to happen, give the child a warning so that they know what to expect. For example, in five minutes, it will be time to put your shoes on so we can leave for school. Or let's build one more tower together before we start cleaning up the blocks. Otherwise, find a way to say yes. Finding a way to say yes often involves considering the child's perspective and thinking about what needs they are trying to meet when they engage in certain behaviors. Adults often provide a direction to children with negative and prohibitive language, which tells the child what they can't do, but not what they can. Pivoting from a no to a yes, even if the general messages says that the same is beneficial because it lets the child know what is acceptable and it honors the child's point of view. So what, we, what we've been doing here is we've kind of been looking at some things that we can use to learn to resolve conflict. And that is so important because how you relate to your parents as a child in a power struggle teaches you how to relate to someone else as an adult in that power struggle in that relationship. So therefore, it's important to recognize the relationship you had with your parents and what kind of power struggles went on. If you think about it, a really young child, when the parent tells them not to do something, they will automatically do it. But as they become teenagers, what happens? It starts to be conflict. Why? Because teenagers want to begin to take control of their life and make decisions for themselves but the parent is afraid to let them. So therefore, 
somewhere along the line, that child becomes stilted. And then what happens is they observe the kind of power struggle going on between their parents. And then they will pick relationships where they have similar types of relationships that the parent had. So recognizing that, this is why if you need to go see a life coach or a psychotherapist or even a mental health counselor is so important because that relationship, they can help you to learn to better communicate and build better relationships. How many times have you seen, especially in soap operas, where couples who, who work together end up becoming couples off the set. Now, for some, it was meant to be. But for others, what happens? As long as they stay on that soap opera and working together, their relationship offset works. But the moment they come to the point where they, they're no longer working together, then they realize there's nothing there. And remember, you can go to my website, and that one is personal success on a daily basis. And you can sign up to take part in a seven-day challenge.